Roman concrete. Fully hydraulic. Ice. Natural solid connections. It's the Structural Engineering Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Structural Engineering Podcast. My name is Max. My name's Zach. And this week, we had a pretty good one. We got to talk to um, the director over at MyTech, a company that specializes in making moment frame systems, and it was super cool. Man, I sitting down with them, or really talking over the phone with them, was pretty amazing. The insight that he gave us about the company, the new technologies they're coming out with, and all the, the things I feel like you and I are going to start being able to implement day-to-day is, is fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were talking with Ryan Smith, and he's the director over there. Zach, what did what, you learn from this show, do you think? One thing I actually that isn't fully relevant it well it's relevant in a very very high level is that i feel like i should be on more committees i feel like this guy has so much influence with so many committees and has learned so much from all of his participation and everything so that's something i learned that wasn't very necessary to the topic <laughs> the cool thing i did learn is i didn't realize that you could use square tube columns oh so I thought you could only use square tube columns for uh, for bi- biaxial, I guess. I knew you could do it for one direction. Correct, yeah. What about you, Max? What did you learn? I learned that you can use them for a wi- that they have less expensive R of three systems. So basically like an ordinary moment frame, way less detailing. You get the advantage of fast fit up. You know, a, a stiffer system than a traditional moment frame, and you don't get the additional cost of a special moment frame. I had no idea. That's super cool. If you go on a SitePlate's website, they have some really cool case studies. And one of the ones I was checking out is talking about using this as, as an R of three system. Yeah, it was very interesting to learn about that. I, I definitely had only ever seen them use in high seismic systems. Moment frames are traditionally more expensive than braced frames. One of the selling points was that you could use their system because it was it erected faster and construction wise you'd save money. So it, yeah. it was pretty interesting to learn and then to discuss you know wind wind regions was was pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a number for you that I found. This is a little while ago. I was looking at this. The difference in cost on average to go from a brace frame system to a moment frame system is two and a half times. So traditionally, a moment frame can be very, very costly because you have really heavy steel sections Additional inspection required, you know, uh, a lot more time and fit up. The the cost really adds up there. It just so I think used correctly, the side plate system can be really economical and it could open up opportunities to use moment frames where you wouldn't usually have them. Absolutely. Now we don't want to tell everyone everything about this episode, so we'll jump into the episode right now and let us know what you think. So first off, guys, thanks for having me on. I really love the idea of an engineering podcast, particularly to bring some value to younger engineers and other practicing professionals in a variety of of topics that we're always looking to learn. Um, So thanks for having me on. My name is Ryan Smith. I'm the director of Side Plate Systems, practicing structural engineer for quite a while prior to joining Side Plate. Did my education all in California, did my undergraduate work at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and my graduate work at the University of California, Irvine. Worked in Southern California since graduating, um, done some work in the field uh, with a company called Hilti uh, in regards to their technical representatives. And then seven years ago, joined SidePlate to lead their business development in the western part of the U.S. Had various jobs at SidePlate since uh, joining about seven years ago. Most recently, when our previous president, Henry Gallart, 
who was the first employee of Side Slate all the way back in 1995, took a role with our parent company, MyTech. He asked that I step into the leadership role and take over for him at Side Slate, and I did that starting in January. That's awesome. And so you had a little bit, I see, structural consulting at Ewing Cole. That's where you started your career? That is correct. Yeah, Ewing hired me out of school, out of Cal Poly. As a, as a new undergrad, just graduated, I did my master's while I was working at Ewing Cole. Nice. Um, got to work on a variety of projects on the West Coast and the East Coast. Cole does projects all over the country. So one, one thing we've been incorporating a lot with uh, our, our more recent episodes is kind of opening up the, the discussion to our kind of social media following and allowing them to ask some questions. So one that one that came up that we'd like to ask is uh, someone was interested in knowing kind of what has changed with SidePlate since MyTech has uh, acquired the company. Oh, yeah. So in 2009 is when MyTech acquired SidePlate. MyTech previous to that was more focused in the residential sector. And so what was enticing to them was I was starting to become a leader in 2009 in the commercial sector of steel moment frames. And so that's what they were reaching out to us to see if it, if it was a partnership that, that could make sense. And it certainly was for us. What's changed in 2009 to get to that question specifically is really the amount of innovation that we were able to accelerate since 2009. Able to make giant improvements all the way up to last year where we actually developed a high seismic action that's all field bolted. And so by having that big backing from MyTech, we were able to invest hundreds of thousands, half millions of dollars in research and development um, to continue to innovate and bring more more value to our customers. In addition, we've been able to, with that big backing, been able to provide a lot of upfront services to our clients, evaluations of buildings that they're looking at using SiteSlate on. Um, it was difficult for us to do that as a, more, as a smaller business before the MyTech acquisition, just because that takes money and resources to be able to provide that early on value. Now we can do that since 2009. Nice. That's great. So just the amount of resources you have available to you has grown substantially. Could you maybe describe what a SiteSlate system is to someone who has no idea what we're talking about at all, like a non-engineer? What, what, what is this? Absolutely. So, side plate connection is part of a steel moment frame. So, a steel moment frame is basically the lateral force resisting system in the building. Um, you can think of that as sometimes people use walls or braces. Uh, what moment frames allow the designers to do is to use basically an open frame. So, there's no obstruction. But in order to do that, you have to have a very stiff connection or rigid connection at the beam to column joint. So what side plate actually is from a connection standpoint is the way that we connect the beam and the column in an innovative fashion, using two side plates on the columns with a beam that goes between them. Side plate as a company is much larger than that in that we provide substantial value to our engineering clients and construction teams in helping optimize the structure in the most economical way, using the smallest beams and columns that make sense putting the frames in the right locations. We assist in all of that work, along with the construction administration part. So there's side plate the connection, and then there's side plate the company that utilizes that side plate connection to bring projects. That's awesome. I know one of the perks of side plate is that it's a little bit stiffer than your standard moment connection. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's definitely accurate. It's about 30% on average stiffer than a typical joint. And maybe even more importantly than the increased stiffness, it's the idea of where we put the stiffness. A lot of times what we see out there is structural engineers will need to use really big columns 
to get the stiffness of the overall frame. But what research has shown, you know, a lot of the research that we've done with our internal research and development team, is that by putting the stiffness in the joint, it's the most economic way to do it. You get the more bang for your buck, so to speak. That's awesome. I actually have a question that came from a podcast last week. We talked with a plans reviewer in Arizona. And so he, he was curious about that stiffness. How is, how is it modeled or how do you recommend people model that increased stiffness since, you know, basically a frame with fixed connections at the corner is a frame with fixed connections. Is this, you know, extending that fixity into the column and beam? Yeah, so that's obviously a very important aspect to get the real value that Cyclade brings is be able to structurally model it accurately. And so the way to model this is actually laid out by the American Institute of Steel Construction based on the research that we've done. And what it highlights is basically there's an infinitely rigid panel zone in the column. So the area where the column web is, where our side plate sandwich the column, is rigid. So you're not going to see any deformation taking place outside of the and we extend these side plates. And what we use there is three times the moment of inertia of the beam, or three times I sub X of that dimension, which usually is anywhere from about three quarters of the beam depth to about one depth uh, of the beam. So if you're using a 24-inch deep beam, it's anywhere from about 18 to 24-inch extension. Now, the, the next question may come about how do you do that, uh, Ryan, in, <laughs> a, in a structural software, right? We've made, we've made it easy for our clients. Uh, we have an internal software development team that spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in developing plugins that come directly with the softwares that our clients use. So ETAS and RAM are two of the most used softwares for modeling. We've actually put in the easy button into those softwares where you can simply select side plate for your connection, and it does all the work for you. I love it. And I, I got to ask, actually, when, when you're on your website, there's a section about a software or a detailing software. What is that? Yeah, so we were talking just now about the tool, the software tools available to structural engineers. Uh, but for side plate, we want to bring value to all members of the and construction team. And some of those members are actually the fabricators and the details. Two of the components that we actually offer as a tool is through Tecla and SDS2, which I believe are the two softwares you're referring to. Detailing softwares do about 99% of the detailing work in our industry, particularly in the U.S. So what we are able to provide with our 2D drawings are components that are able to populate their models in SDS2 and Tecla with all the side plate connection information. We're, we're big proponents of not dumbing down information that we've had and worked hard to do into 2D drawings, but providing all of that high-end analysis and work into models that can be used, keeping it more accurate, and then also maybe more importantly, much more efficient to be able to make these buildings come to life. So the side plate system, obviously, with moment frames, you can use them for winds and seismic design. Uh, the ductility that you've kind of spoke to uh, and the rigidity, you know, really comes in play with, with seismic design. But kind of what kind of percentages are you guys seeing that your system being used in, in high wind or high seismic regions? And then, you know, what are the advantages of using these systems in a, in a maybe a wind controlled building or where an ordinary moment frame would be allowed? I'm really glad that you asked that question because I do have a tendency, especially coming from California, to get really tied up in the in the high seismic and high performing aspect of, of the business. So um, a lot of people take side plate as this high seismic connection. 
which just makes sense. That's where we started. We started back in 1995 after the Northridge earthquake, um, solving seismic uh, problems. But what people don't realize is that there's a lot of value in a stiffer connection in wind-governed areas. And people find it really surprising when I tell them that about 40-plus percent of our work is done in low to moderate seismic areas where wind is typically the governing force. So 40% of our business um, is those areas. And so why is it? Well, a couple main reasons. The first thing is that drift or lateral movements back and forth of the building, which we have as designers, we have to limit to a certain to a certain code requirement. Uh, whether the, the force that's pushing on it is earthquake or <laughs> wind. Um, are different requirements. You don't need the kind of ductility that we've been talking about uh, with the seismic connections, our, our side plate plus connection as we refer to it now, but you do need this. And so the nice thing about the wind projects is that we're able to provide additional stiffness, a reduction in, similar to that that we do in a high seismic area. But we're able to do it in a way that doesn't require the additional expense of the connection for some of the detailing that's required. We actually have a less expensive connection in the wind-governed areas because we don't need that high level of stability. But you can still get the reduction in tonnage. And more importantly in those areas, particularly how simple our standard side plate connection is, it's extremely fast. Most other connections in wind-governed areas, many of them are welded connections. Ours is an all-fill bolted connection. We've seen connections for beam end in wind-governed areas take anywhere from two to three hours per beam end to weld up. Ours goes up in less than 30 minutes. So an extreme accelerated in terms of getting the structure up and moving and turning floors over is a big driver in those areas. One other comment I mentioned for, for those low seismic or moderate seismic areas where wind's important is that many times you're in tight quarters, also between buildings, particularly in, in downtown or metropolitan areas. And a lot of times designers will throw moment frames out in those areas simply because they believe they're too flexible. Put in braces and have to fight with some of the obstructions those other systems have. With side plates increased stiffness, even though you don't need the ductility, you can actually use a moment frame system in those areas. And so we're called into a lot of projects for that reason. Super cool. So for cost savings here, we have cost savings not only in, in less steel, but in a faster erection time. Is there, when you're in a construction project, is there a scale that the project has to be in order to, you know, see savings or have, are you in both small and pretty large projects? Yeah, another really good question, um, because this is another thing that people sometimes, they see us in these really large, iconic structures, like we're, we just topped out Loma Linda Hospital, um, a base isolated, you know, multi-story building. Pendleton out here in California, large 21-story buildings, and they, and they think, oh, Cyclic's just for those, that big stuff. I'm happy to tell everyone that we do a lot of small jobs as well. We've done everything from pedestrian bridges uh, to those those taller mid-rise type structures. In regards to where does it make economic sense, I like to tell people it's typically about 50,000 square feet is where it makes total economic sense when you're looking at a moment frame system. But we do smaller buildings than that or smaller structures because of the technical benefits that side plate can bring. Um, that's why we do some of those bridges and things, tall story height, long stand, like that. So I encourage our clients to look at us for all their steel, particularly steel projects, and maybe some of their concrete projects that they want to consider steel on. And we'll be able to guide them early on in a project of whether or not it makes sense to pursue side plate or not. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so our next one kind of is, you know, maybe a, a bit more of a depth question talking about re- resiliency-based seismic design. Um, it's really become a huge topic. Um, 
for demanding structures and in, in high seismic regions. Um, where do you see the role of side plate as a system, you know, within that world? Yeah, this is this is actually a topic that's uh, that's near and dear to my heart. You know, putting my my structural engineering profession hat on. I actually, when I was on the board of directors for the, the Structural Engineering Association of Southern California, I did a two year term on that board a few years back, and that was a focus of mine. And so it's been something that I've been really trying to push side plate and to continue to invest in. Um, and it's really excited in our industry right now to see it starting to starting to take shape. Um, I like how you use the term resilience based. I've seen this many times, sometimes get confused with performance-based design. Performance-based design and resilience-based design are different in my mind. Um, resilience-based design is really about making sure that our buildings are able to be used again after a seismic event or repaired in a way that gets people back to work so that our economies don't suffer the way we've seen other economies in other areas like with Katrina and Christchurch earthquakes and things like that. And so... This is something that we're investing highly in at SidePlate. And lucky for us, we have the ability with our innovative patented technology to provide value here. So where, what are we doing right now at SidePlate in this area? We're helping educate. Uh, we're helping educate our clients and our clients' clients, you know, the owners of these buildings, to understand that there is a good way of designing your structures using connections that allow the building to perform well in an earthquake. And what does perform well mean? Well, to me, it doesn't just mean that it doesn't collapse, which is what our building codes are designed to do right now. In fact, we actually design our, our structures to actually have a good chance of a 1% collapse rate. Um, we also design them not to necessarily be used afterwards. But I want to encourage our owners and our clients to utilize connections like SideFlate to make sure that people can get back to work. So what does SideFlate do? SideFlate's connection is one that allows us to delay damage in a building, low and moderate earthquakes, so that you don't have to repair. A lot of times I hear resilience-based design is saying, oh, make sure you can go out there and repair it real fast. Really, any kind of repair is very invasive, and by the time you're repairing a moment frame connection, your building's probably not doing really well in other areas, like fire sprinklers and cladding and ceilings and things like that. So, what SideSplate does, and we've actually provided this information to SP3, which is a software based on the FEMA P58 uh, government methodology of resilience-based design. We provided our, our testing information to them, and what they've been able to do is to show that SideSplate's connection allows us to delay damage and reduce residual drip, which is a key factor in buildings being able to be used again after events substantially. In fact, their research, based on the way our load flows through our connection and how we don't have certain types of welding and, and other aspects of the connection, not to get into too much detail, allows us to reduce the amount of cost to repair a building after a moderate to large seismic earthquake compared to another moment frame by about 50%. In addition, in a very similar manner, the amount of time it takes to get the building back up running when you're using a site site connection, again, reduced by about 50% compared to a conventional moment frame system. And so it's really about making sure that you're using the right technology in a building, the latest technology in a building, and really delaying damage, repairable, damage that requires repair um, much later in the cycles of a large event. And that's what our connection does. It strengthens the joint rather than weakening members away from it, and that's always a better thing to do when you're talking about resilient space design. 
Yeah. I know you guys are uh, one of the founding members of the U.S. Resiliency Council, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks for starting that. <laughs> very, very proud to be doing that and really hope that our, our industry gets behind programs like that to really push the idea that we need to design better buildings and and our engineers want to do it. We want to do it. We just need the we need the public to want it. Yeah, I think there's a, sometimes a misunderstanding of uh, the role of a building post earthquake. Um, should it collapse? Certainly not. But I think a lot of people just assume that it will be standing and be you know pretty okay. It's not always the case. Yeah. And you know the Christchurch earthquake. Actually, looking at a, a video that was on the USRC website, they said only two buildings collapsed, but post event they had to tear down seventy percent of them. So that's the opposite of resilient. And why we as the engineering community think that was a big success, everything worked <laughs> the way we were. I'm guessing a lot of those building owners and the public that want to use those buildings afterwards may not see the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on the resiliency side of things, is site plate used in a lot of retrofit projects? Is it a good system for retrofits? Yeah. So, so retrofits, particularly when you're talking about pre-Northridge moment connections, which is where we got our, our start, um, is, is something that's going to become more apparent and, and grow in. So side plate is used in retrofit projects. It's not a main market that we're in currently. Mm-hmm. And we do have some innovative concepts coming out in the future that would allow a side plate retrofit scheme to be more in, more, less invasive, you could say. Um, right now you do, any retrofit is invasive, including the side plate system. But one of the reasons though that people do use side plate is I talked about reducing steel, right? When we're designing mm-hmm. a new building, you're able to use smaller beams and columns with a side plate project. Well, if you're going into a retrofit, the beams and columns are already there. So you're not reducing any steel. So therefore you can actually retrofit less connection because we're providing additional stiffness to members that would be hence oversized if you were designing it originally with side plate. So that's one of the values that people use um, side plate for, but it's not a big part of our business but certainly something we've, we've done and will continue. Yeah. So in a retrofit application, you'd be going into existing moment frames that are not to the standard that we have now and stiffening them, essentially. That's right. Or adding in new frames um, to stiffen as well. So we've been used in, in other buildings that, that they just put in a new frame. That's the easiest way to do it, the invasive way to do it. But a big difference with the side plate connection compared to conventional moment frames is is back in Northridge, notice that, these transversely loaded wells from beam flange to column flange were very problematic. Triaxial stresses that occurred, brittle welding, um, and 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 in in the end, a really high, uh, very, very. Uh, there wasn't much redundancy in those wells, and so one of the big differences side plates are innovative concept is we physically separate the beam from the column. So we actually have a, between the beam and the column, the the beam is connected to to two side plates. In a retrofit application, typically you have those wells that are attached to the beam flange to the column flange, which are not good wells. And so we have to torch those off and actually create that separate gap, which is a little more invasive than maybe some other type connections. But if you have to do it on less, um, then sometimes it's economically feasible and you have a better performance. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Post-earthquake, is the side plate system pretty easy to evaluate and replace? Yeah, so with any, this gets back kind of the resiliency question is side plate can be replaced. Um, we've actually done a full scale testing program that just finished where we actually tested the same column joint, the same column and side plate, um, four different times, ran it through a, a full scale test and showed that it performed similar in all four tests by just replacing the beat. 
Uh, wow. it's, it, it was a real exciting test for us, something that's never been done before within SiteLate, and, and, and I'm not even sure if it's been done in other places with other connections. And, and we actually made over 7% rotation, which is, which is far more than the 4% required. Um, so you can replace the beam, and the column assembly stays intact. But again, the, the best thing to do, and I mentioned this before, is to delay damage to where you don't need to repair and that's one of the things that SiteLake does, is we can go through a very large earthquake with very little damage that needs to be repaired to allow us to be able to use the building without going in and, and having that invasiveness. Um, but you can do it. We've proven it. Um, you can replace the beam if, if that was a necessity. My guess is that on a SiteLake project, depending on how large the, the seismic event is, you may not have to. So going from kind of the seismic world, to a whole different world. Um, how is side plate being used for blast and progressive collapse design? Another another super exciting thing for side plate and something that we actually did full scale testing on. We were invited by the government uh, back all the way in the in the early in late 1990s um, and uh, and 2000s to do some full scale testing in Kirkland, New Mexico, where they actually built a a rig out in the desert. And they had basically a two-span frame and a jack above that pushes down on it with uh, the force of a three-story building. They backed a truck up to it with explosives, and they and they blew up the column. And then they pushed down on that point to see how much force it can take before collapse. So how does side plate affect progressive collapse? Um, it, it's substantial. And the main reason for that is that as you design these buildings with basically a removed column, you need to make sure you have good continuity across the joint. Even our government officials could understand that there's good continuity across the joint when you put two side plates up that beam. And so they invited us to come out there and participate. And what we found is that with side plate, because of the configuration of our joint, you can use about half the size beam as you can with a conventional system. And so it's a much more economical approach to it. On a side note, the other thing that side plate does is because we have these tapes on the columns that um, that basically protect the joint is any type of projectiles and things like that that may happen um, that could cause damage is protected with our side plates. And so uh, we're actually written right into the uh, unified facilities criteria that governs progressive collapse design. We do substantial amounts of that work internally with finite element design and things of that nature um, and are very common to be used. We have several big progressive collapse jobs going on right now. Nice. Uh, there's there's one other that I'd like to ask, just because I think it's really cool that that side plate is able to do this, and that is a special moment frame is not permitted to be uh, on one column and two axes, uh, but a side plate system can be. Um, and you know, there's not really a question built in here, but as far as testing of this, I guess I know there are sort of limited shapes that this is allowed. Is that going to expand at some point? Uh, is there a reason it's a 16 inch HSS? Yeah. So so interesting enough. So the the only connection that was out there before um, uh, side plate is, is, is a competitor of ours, and they are forced into a 16 by 16 HSS tube filled with concrete. Mm. Um, the side plate system actually can use a variety of shapes. Um, one of the reasons we went into the lab and finished this full-scale testing program last year is to allow HSS, wide flange shapes, box columns. Um, we've tested everything from a 30-inch by 30-inch box column. Um, so an HSS 18 by 18 of these biaxial tests. So that's one of the beauties of site. Like we're not limited, um, like some other systems are. Nice. Okay. Um, you can use whatever shapes that you want. It's awesome. I guess I had misread. Um, on, I guess, uh, uh, 
something that a lot of you know new engineers find out as they get into seismic and steel and and whatnot. There's a lot of you know protected zones that you need to stay away with um, on the side plate system. Where's where's the protected zone? Yeah, so protected zones are are things that are required special moment frames, as, as you mentioned. It's not required on on um, those wind governed projects we talked about before, but for special moment frames, it is. And a protected zone is area where you're expecting deformation to take place after a large event. So where you start to see, you know, buckling of the of the beam or, you know, other types of, of strains. And so you want to make sure that, that that connection can go through that without premature fracture. And so what the code requires are special are, are basically protected zones to not attach to. Um all connections have it. The nice thing about side plate is that our protected zone is outside of the side plate. So the side plates are basically wrapping or, you know, sandwiching the column. And that's usually where you want to make a lot of connections is right there at that joint. Um, and, you know, other connections that are available out there uh, have protected zones in that area. We do not. We push it all the way out to the beam and allows you to attach anything you want to the side plate and to the, the cover plates that are on the beam. So. Our drawings show where that is away from the joint, which is usually very helpful uh, to our clients. And, and the mechanical and electrical and plumbing uh, design engineers of ours that like to put stuff around those areas. <laughs> Certainly. Um, <clears throat> I know we've sort of we've flown through the 30 minutes here, so I don't want to hold you any longer than you've got time for. But if, if you got time for one more, at least, I know I've got one that Absolutely. I really want to ask. I love talking about this stuff, guys. <laughs> that's awesome. I want, I want to talk about residual capacity. I know, you know, that's a big topic when it comes to many years after the system is performed, maybe to its capacity, what is left in that overall system, you know, from seeing the testing videos that you have, that it goes way beyond the 30 cycles required by code to test these systems. How does the stiffness drop off after that 80% required past 30 cycles? Yeah. So I, one of the things that, our codes require, and this is based on the American Institute of Steel Construction's requirements for a special moment frame, is that you obviously have to be able to go through the cycles that you're talking about or, or basically illustrating back and forth movement. So you need to be able to make sure that the connection can handle that without fracturing. And that makes that makes pretty clear to most people. But the other requirement is to make sure that not only can you go through without fracturing, but that you can still hold up the building. You may be able to to, to turn this beam into a noodle, which is really good from a ductility standpoint, but not very good from a straight standpoint. So what the code requires is that, first of all, you can go through those rotations, which requires 4% rotation. But in doing so, you can't lose uh, more than 20% of the overall capacity. So you need to go through those rotations and those cycles and still maintain 80% of the beam's capacity. In its capacity. Most connections out there, all the connections that are classified as a special moment frame have to do this. The difference with side plates is that we don't see a big reduction in capacity of the beam, mainly because we're strengthening the joint rather than weakening components away from the joint, which many of the other pre-qualified connections do. And so we actually don't see much drop-off of strength. Um, in fact, we see an increase in strength all the way up past that 4% mark. Um, which which is a very good thing to do when you're talking about overall resiliency and that, which is one of the reasons why it's a very resilient connection. So why most connections have a drop-off of strength um, as they continue to progress, we don't do that until way past 4%, which is what we're expecting to be a very, very large earthquake. After that, it starts to progress downward um, because basically you are um, you're taking advantage of the ductility and the steel and the, and the, and the beams and things of that nature. Uh, but for us, that happens way after the to where we'd expect the earthquake to be. 
Yeah. And is that initial hardening just a strain hardening? The increased yeah, stiffness that, strain hardening? Yeah. So you, you will start to get increased stiffness as the bean starts to go through its cycles. We'll see some, um, some buckling in the flanges of the beans when you're getting close to that 4% mark and you're starting to get some of those extra properties that are, they're so great with steel. That's one of the reasons I love steel is the steel is <laughs> a very ductive um, in the building world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, how tall have you guys gone? As, you know, what's the biggest structure you've been in? The, the, the tallest structure that we've been in is actually a tower um, in Irvine, California, at the Irvine Spectrum, which is 21 stories tall. It's an all-moment frame system, um, so there's no core. In fact, this particular building doesn't even have corner columns. We actually uh, extend our frames out and cantilever them out. So it's a really, really awesome structure. Uh, we have a picture of it on our website um, that people can look at. So we're, we're changing the game when moment frames can be used based on those stiffness. In most applications, if you're designing a 21-story building in a high-sizing area, you'd immediately have to go for a restrictive system like walls. But with side plates increased stiffness, it opens up the ability to a moment frame system that was allowing to give this particular developer that uses a lot of side plate um, technology in their buildings um, to be able to give their tenants a very, very good experience. They liked it so much, they actually built a duplicate tower of it right next door. So it was actually a 21-story tower. Man, yeah, if that doesn't say something good about it, I don't know what does. That's great. Well, that's, I mean, I think we actually went through a fair amount of our questions. I know, Zach, is there any lingering ones that you were really curious about? You know, it was funny as every time I, I thought of a question, it was answered, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> you did such a good job explaining it. It's, it's obvious you're very passionate about what you do and it's, it's very cool. I love it. Where we all are here at SidePlate, you know, our, our mission is really to provide safe and efficient structures, um, at the best, you know, to allow our customers really to grow um, their businesses and allow the public to utilize these great structures. And so we're excited about what we do. We hope that comes out to all our clients that work with us. Um, we're, we're, we're growing substantially. Um, people are, people are coming and asking for the side plate technology and we just want to make sure that we can have that kind of experience with them as we, so appreciate your, your invite to share this great stuff. And I'm always looking to, to preach the, uh, the good word of, of good structural engineering, good technology, and, and innovation. We're happy to hear it. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on and um, look forward to talking with you later. Awesome. Great. Love what you guys are doing. Um, thanks again for the invite. Man, Max, I, I don't know about you, but being able to chat with Ryan was pretty awesome and to understand what they're doing with their system and, and really get to know the company more. I think definitely want to learn more and, and continue to be able to see if we can use this system on a, on a structure in the future. Absolutely. I, I actually haven't gotten the opportunity to use the side plate system yet, so I'm looking forward to the chance to do so at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please like share the episode. If you're not sharing our, our podcast with your friends, it means so much to us to do. So uh, again, reach out to us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, email. I mean, you guys know how to get a hold of us. Hey, we have 99 followers on CastBox, so someone should be the 100th if they don't mind. It just what? make me feel good to have an even number. Whoever is the 100th person, the next person to do it, please send us an email and we'll send, we'll ship you something cool. <laughs> all right, sounds good. <laughs> I have to find something cool. All right. You guys have a great week. We'll talk to you later.